A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome back to another episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob Pichetro of the Dead Poor Hitter. Thank you for joining me once again. Today we are doing our main event recap um, with my usual cohort, Todd Whitestone, on this adventure. When we talk about free agency that has just happened in the main event leagues on the NFBC on this episode, we are joined by the one and only robot, Mr. Phil Dusso, who brings in some... Um, some pretty cool historical information for the main event and for the overall standings and in terms of how um, where your standings are now and how it bodes for you for the rest of the season. So um, be sure to catch those wonderful nuggets as well as Phil's great insight into some player ads and drops and whatever else he brings to the table, which is a ton. So uh, glad to have him on again um, and, you know, yeah bring uh, some information to the main event world uh, that we are playing. So hope everyone is doing well in their leagues. And if you are not remembering, it's a long season. Um, so if you're in a rotisserie league and a deep league, as long as you're not buried in 13th, 14th, 15th with 40 total points and um, where you have to uh, really overcome a ton of production um to catch up in to make a difference um, if you're not in that position you still can grind away and work your way up um, you know it's a long season this is what we have to do to find success especially in rotisserie league for anyone who plays keeper league or dynasty league this is um, the time the minor league season is about to start so it's about time to identify some possible players that are going to be making an impact either in the major leagues this year or in the coming seasons um, we'll get to start um, you know seeing which players are going to be able to make that type of impact with some minor league baseball that hasn't been around for a while um, so I'm pretty excited I'm going to a game tonight to see the judges your blue claws play the Hudson Valley Renegades and um, pretty cool check out some minor league baseball um, I'm going to make a case to try to see some more games this year, um, try to see some minor league, local minor league games here in New Jersey. Um, so yeah, you know, be, be aware of these things and because they can cause shifts in the major league roster and, you know, I think teams are going to have to bring up, uh, mostly pitchers, but, um, a lot of guys, um, we're seeing the rise in injury rush because of the shortened season and just a natural tendency for guys to get hurt over the course of the long season so to be able to replace our players with some minor league guys um, you also want to make sure that you're anticipating correctly if the player that's going to be called up is for like a, a month or a couple of week injury replacement or for the rest of the season so um, make sure you're doing your due diligence there 
plenty of great prospect websites and follows on Twitter. So, um, you know, make sure you're following said people and, um, you know, you can really get some good insight into some possible players that can help your teams going forward. So um, let's just roll right into the episode. Again, thanks for listening. If you could leave a rating review on on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. Um, really helped me out and helped the show. Um, if you have done so already, thank you so much. Um, forever grateful. Thank you so much again. So here it is, episode with Todd and the robot. <laughs> just once. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, folks. Welcome back to the Pole Hitter Podcast. My name is Rob DiPietro, the Pole Hitter. I am here joined by my my um, Tuesday co-host, now today, Monday, Todd Whitestone. And we are here with Mr. Phil Dusso, the robot himself, came to join us to enlighten us about the main event and all things NFBC. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. I'm good. How are you, Rob? Doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. It's a good time of the year. You know, it's, uh, the weather's turning over, like short weather outside type of year. Um, there's a bunch of pollen in the air, though. So it's like, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's a difficult miss. You, know, you want to keep the windows open. You want to get some fresh air. But then you go outside and the pollen's shaking off the trees and can't breathe. But other than that, <laughs> life is fantastic. Um, I'm uh, kind of a little depressed about my main event teams. Um, all my other teams are, you know, relatively well. But um, I'm depressed and I need some, like, main event um, counsel, I think. Because uh, <laughs> just, like, in a spot where I'm like, oh, man, you know, this is going to be a lot of work to get better and to increase in the standing so um besides that life is fantastic how are you guys doing tonight pretty good pretty good everything's fine here in new york and uh you know i think we got a few interesting uh, tidbits to go over today with uh what's happening in the main event generally mm-hmm. i think so I, I think we all feel the same way my teams are doing pretty well in general, but none of them are that great. And it, it feels like it's never good enough. It, you, you always want to be like top five, top 10, top 20 overall. And if even if you're sitting there, I don't know, 40th overall in May and there's five months left, it doesn't feel good enough. You want to be up there. So I think probably 90% of people listening to us right now don't feel that great about their teams. So, especially with <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels that way. It's just, uh, you know, it was, you want to do well. Like you said, it's that desire to, you know, to do sure. well. And yeah, it's, um, and, you know, I'm just like constantly looking at the standing, trying to see how I can get better. Like, I don't know about you guys, like I constantly look at the standings, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm like, you know, it's I can't help it if I'm just like oh I have nothing to do right now like let's see how my teams are doing you know I don't know uh, uh, I kind of feel like uh because I have a lot of them so I'm just constantly trying to get a, a grip on each one of them but um I know some sure. people are like yeah I don't look at the standings till you know till June till July and it's like okay yeah, I don't think those people are telling the truth to be honest with you but uh, <laughs> but but my, my my little advice is, and uh, Phil maybe can uh, tell us what he does, but is uh, I really look at the standings really more in depth once a week. I put it on a spreadsheet, Rob, and I sort of plot it like how am I doing compared to, you know, my targets and 
a lot of times, you know, I'm still falling way below in certain categories, but I think that helps me because I'm not obsessing every, you know, 12 or 24 hours. I do a little bit more work once a week, and then I try to let it go a little bit in the interim seven days. Yeah, I usually look, um, I mean, I have the live scoring page open pretty much every night. So you're sort of forced to look at the standings when you look at that page. So my, my brain is, and my mood is affected by how my teams are doing, even though, even though I know it doesn't really matter. Um, and that's the part I find annoying. Cause if I could honestly not look at the standings until June, I'd do it. Um, but I just want to look at the live scoring and it's, it's, it's hard not to, sure. not to pay attention to it. But the, the deep dive, I usually only do usually early June. Cause I think that's the point where I'll really, um, where you can make changes the way you manage your team at that point. If I'm, if I have a team ERA at five, in June there, I might consider uh, punting ERA and whip. I've done that in the past, um, punt ERA and whip in June and start grabbing all the, the two-star pitchers and trying to finish at the top in Ks and wins. Mm-hmm. Or if, if at that point you see your line in, in stolen bases or in something else, then you can do something about it, stream stolen base guys or stream power guys. But until June, it, it feels like it's early to, to, to micromanage. Sure. Um, so I, I try to stay away until until that point. But then in, in June, July, I'll I'll look at the standings pretty much every week, do a deep dive and see if if I have to move up in, in a specific category. Um, saves might be the only exception where you if if at that if at this point you only have two or three saves. Uh, well, you don't really have to look at the standings to know that you only have two or three saves. But um, I, you get my point. You, it saves are yeah. the, the one exception where I think you have to move pretty quickly um if if you have uh, a hole there right i think so too um because especially it's like it, it's it's all that it fab is seems to be it's centered around you know closer specs it's just just it's wild so um todd you your um article your wonderful article this week on spstreamer.com is titled may the fourth be with you um, I got to tell you, you got some great running theme going here with uh, pop culture <laughs> references. Last week yes. it was in sync. This week is Star Wars, like really, you know, like iconic stuff that you're bringing to the table <laughs> on top of the yes. fantasy. Well, thank uh, you. So you have an interesting little um, uh, chart here um, telling us about the, uh, you know, number of bids per week and total dollars spent. We talked about this um, every week right. um, this week. Uh, pretty much comes in is just amount of the last two weeks, $67 two weeks ago, $67 last week, $66.39 this week. So right around the same range. Um, and yep. uh, you also have a little breakdown here of uh, how many um, moves um, a team on average is making mm-hmm. per week. Um, it's like 10.63 bids uh, per right. team this week, roughly two per week. Interesting. Right. And um, so what else did you find in your uh, scavenger hunt for main event knowledge? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, 10 per week for, in, for the entire uh, contest for, per team, it, you know, you, you feel like every team is making more than two ads per week, but that's really all it is on average. So that was one interesting thing that I found. The second thing is what you mentioned, which is after those first two big weeks, 
you know, it does average, people are spending about 67, $66 per on average. And uh, I do think that's going to slow down because we're already at $384 spent per team out of a thousand. And uh, mathematically, people can't keep spending $66 every week or they're going to be way too low in just, you know, about six or seven weeks. Um, so it will slow down, but I do think there's enough fab dollars out there when there is a free agent that people want, people are going to spend the 150 to 200. I mean, I don't see any shortage of that. I think people are, are going after the guys that crop up and, uh, I think that'll continue. So, you know, the, the idea, and maybe Phil can, we can get Phil's take on this is if you get a free agent for five months, it's so much more valuable than even if you got the same guy for three months. So maybe it's okay to spend pretty heavy early and try to spend, you know, light uh, in the second half. Um, sometimes a little, I'm a little leery of that myself, but, um, but I think the average team is sort of on that path. What, what have you, you spent? Though? What have you spent um, before Phil answered that? What have you spent this year in your teams? I've spent uh, less than that. I think in the one, the main that we're in together, I think I'm at about the high 600s, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, so so I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, like up at 900 or something, but I'm not, I'm certainly not down at three or 400, which I think there are teams that are down there. Right. Yeah, no, there definitely is. Um, I just wanted to know, like, if you had a, what your tendency was earlier in this year. Yeah, you have set, um you have six forty seven in our week, correct? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you have one more main, right? I I have two more that I'm two in more. with a partner, and I think in those two, actually, now that I think about it, I think I, we have more, maybe more like seven fifty or eight hundred in those two. So nice. the one I'm in with you, I guess, I think I've spent more than those two. Right. Ready to drop the hammer, Tom? All right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, to Todd's point about, I did the math, the, the way I, I often like to look at it, um, if you split the budget and sort of multiply by number of weeks left. So like the first week, um, it's 27. The second week is 26. Third week is 25 and so on. Um, teams sort of sort of spent 38.9% um, of the budget um, so far based on the weeks left and they spent 38.4. So we're pretty much right on pace for that. And last year, um, I did the same thing after five or six, after three or four weeks, I think. And it was the same thing. It's, it's somehow, I mean, there's no, um, no one looks at that number, but for some reason it always ends up to pretty much right on pace, hmm. um, with, with that number. So, um, the, the one thing I'll add, I mean, on all my teams, I have between 750 and 900 left, uh, except my OC, I'm down to about 680, I think, but. Um, I'm, I usually like to wait a little bit more before I spend. Um, I, I know there's like, if the guys that you pick up right now pay off, it's mm -hmm. going to be really worth it because you can have them for five, six months, but very few of those guys you're actually going to hang on to for five months. So I sort right. of look, these are more, when I pick up a guy, I'm looking at the next two or three months. Um, so until, between now and July, for me, the players are worth pretty much the same. Um, so, uh, but in July, you're going to get a discount compared to now. So 
Um, I usually like to wait, um, especially right now, since I don't have too many injuries, um, luckily at, at, at this time. So um, I'd rather, if I have a hole, I'll, I'll fill it. Or if there's a guy I really like, the guys I spent up for so far are guys like Robbie Grossman, who were dropped early in the league, uh, Luis Arias, Cesar Hernandez, um, guys who are just off, who were off the bad start, someone dropped them, but they're still hitting first or second in the lineup pretty much every day. So um, I'll, I'll pounce if, if I see someone made a bad drop and look at a bit around 80 to 100. But other than, other than that, um, I think we're just, a lot of the bids we've seen so far just paying up for the hitter that was good for the past week and people hoping that he's going to be, I don't know, he's going to be a Whitmerfield who's going to come out of nowhere and just Whitmerfield from, from what, three or four years ago, yeah. come out of nowhere and be a stud for a full year. Right. Very few of those guys. So um, I'd rather hang on to my money. Um, Triple A season is starting tomorrow. Um, we're going to see guys that we haven't seen in two years. We're going to come out, um, look really good for a month, a month and a half, two months, then get called up. Um, and then those are probably the guys I'll be looking at uh, where we have a bit of a tr- longer track record for two years. And then we can see they were decent prospects. We're going to see a lot of these guys called up. So I'll, I'll take my shots on guys mm-hmm. like that um, yep. and, and hope it works out. Yeah. I think it's like um, our brain wants us. Like if we have a need on our team and there's a guy like, it's like, Oh man, this guy's on fire. And like your brain wants you to think like, Oh, I'm just going to plug him in for the rest of the year. Like, boom, you know, it's just uh, like you said, Phil, the um, odds are we're not, they're not going to be on our team, you know, at all. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing I'm trying to get better at is determine, you know, being okay with, you know, going down to, I don't know, three, four dollar bid on even if it's the like the lower end of my list and being okay with uh, not, you know, I guess I'm just trying to forecast how much to spend on a a guy who may be a week or two, like a streaming hitter, like, you know, um, Mm -hmm. uh, my brain wants to say, but I really want to get him. But in all reality, you know, not going 14, but going three you know, maybe the best route because uh, I guess the difference in maybe the top of your list and your bottom of your list, sometimes just not that different. You know, that's what I'm yeah. trying and to do. And then $10 yeah. for, for say one or two players for five, six weeks, it can be 100, 150 bucks right. that you have in June that you can spend on. I mean, in 2019, I got Zach Gallen for about 120 mm-hmm. and he was coming up from AAA um, and he had something like a two ER in AAA and everyone pretty much knew he was going to be good in majors. And it, I mean, I had him my, on my best main event team that year and really paid off. So that's the kind of guy I want to spend on, uh, where we have a good feeling about him. We know he's going to go five, six innings and, um, it, it's worth saving money for, for those guys, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. I take a little shot at Mackenzie Gore in one of my mains this, <laughs> yeah. this week, just, you know. Hey, you never know. Like I, I, apparently he has the yips, but um, I don't know. Let's see what happens. I think that I think he's gonna get called up at some point to prove himself, and uh, I'm hoping he's bring it to the table for me. Um, all right. I wanted to get into some uh, Todd. I just want to mention too in your article. I love how you break down um what place you're in, like what category of uh 
um, they have it all laid out first, second, or third. You, and you have these Star Wars themed <laughs> lines, uh, you know, great kid, don't get cocky, the Han Solo line to Luke Skywalker. Right. But uh, it's pretty cool because um, I'm looking at this. And so I am in the range of seventh, eighth, or ninth. I find your lack of faith disturbing. As Darth Vader <laughs> said, when a disdainful in Empire Admiral sneers at the old Jedi ways, um, that's how that's worth. Um, that's exactly what I'm feeling. I have zero faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I read this and out. I said, well, OK, it didn't work out too well for the uh, uh, Admiral there. Uh, no. So. I know. So I think, uh, yeah, you can you can definitely come back from seventh, eighth, or ninth, and uh, I think uh, I just tried to find uh, something that would typify where people are with their various teams. I liked it. And, it's uh, perfect theme. So you're saying I have a little Darth Vader in me? I think yeah. If you okay. if you channel that, you're going to be up in the, the top three very quickly. All right, all right. This is what <laughs> I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to channel my. Uh, I'm going to turn on my <laughs> lightsaber, and uh, uh, so. I, I take it you're a pretty big Star Wars guy. Well, I liked it. I liked it. I also, when I did this article, I, I it made me remember a couple of the quotes. And I didn't remember, maybe you guys did, or maybe you don't really watch Star Wars, is um, in almost every movie, there was somebody that said, I've got a bad feeling about this. Right, in right. Relation to some, yeah. In, in relation to some problem, they worked it into almost every Star Wars movie. And there were, what were there, like six of them, seven of them? Yeah, so uh, like that. anyway, so I think uh, that that's a good statement for the people that are in the bottom three places. You know, you, you can't have a good feeling when you're uh, looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Phil. So you have dug up some historical uh, information to share about the main event and the overall standings and, uh, you know, what it could lead to. You, if where you are now um, and you're thinking about being there at the end of the season, you want to lay that out for everybody? Yeah, yeah. I cool. tweeted this out a bit earlier today. Uh, mm -hmm. So the top 50 overall teams at the end of the year in 2019, in 2019 um, 28 uh, of them were in the top 100 after week five. Um, and then, but there's only three of the top 10 overall at the end of the year um, that were in the top 100 after week five. So um, it's, it's still early. Uh, and mm -hmm. I've, I found these, uh, I don't have that. What everyone wants to know is if you're in 300, 400 or 500, right. uh, if you have a chance to, to move up. Me, me, um, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have no summary because I actually got these standings from the NFBC forums uh, from two years ago. They put, uh, they put out the top 100 in, in every contest um, every week. So I got it from there. Uh, but what I can tell you, um, is I assume it's, it sort of works the opposite that if someone was, um, let's see, was, uh, this team was 14th, um, after five weeks and then finished 350 overall. Um, and then there's a, a bunch of teams that were, I don't know, 30th, um, after week five and then finished 453rd. So I assume it sort of works the opposite way as well, where there were teams at around 350, 400, 450 yeah. that ended up in the top. 30 40 50 yeah i gotta um, believe that's true yeah so um and i i looked forward to uh weeks nine and ten and i'd say those are the weeks where it really starts to mean something i mean in in week 10 um the 12 teams that fit that were um top 12 teams after 10 weeks all finished in the top 100 overall wow. and actually 11 of them were in the top 50 
Um, right. So usually if you're, if you're top 40, 50 overall, you have a really good chance of winning your league. So um, if, if you're, if you're top 12 um, after nine, 10 weeks, uh, that means you have a really good chance of winning your league. Right, right. So um, I think that's the point where it starts to mean something like someone else told me something, uh, some, told me earlier today. Um, it means he has four weeks to figure it out basically. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, interesting. Yeah. One thing, uh, Rob, that I noticed um, is that, you know, and I'm, I'm in my article, I'm putting the top three uh, fantasy owners in each of the 43 main events every week. Mm-hmm. And in the first few weeks, maybe the first two or three weeks, it was like, you know, changing completely every week. So the guy, in first place would not even be in the top three and you know somebody off the board would vault all the way to first and now in the last week or two i'm noticing that yeah there's some movement definitely movement but most of the leagues like the first place guy goes to second and the second place guy goes to first you know and something like that there are there are leagues where a new guy completely comes into first place from off the the top three but as Phil says, I think it does start as you gradually start to solidify a bit. And I think by week nine, 10, you know, it's really going to be hard. You're going to have to put on a really concerted charge to go from sixth or seventh all the way to second. Um, so that's what I've been noticing is that, you know, you, you don't change the standings completely every week for most of the leagues, not all, but most. Right. And nine weeks is what we had last year for, for the season. So, and at, at, like last year, the last two weeks, um, like you knew if you were top three or four in your league and yes, the top three, four or five moved around. But um, I mean, one of my mains was in 12 to 13 at that point. And even if this season had been six months, it would have made a difference. I knew it just by looking at the team. So I think that's really the point where you can, where you get a good idea right. at this point after four or five weeks, I think you just want to avoid being the last last team in your league and having, usually it depends on the categories, but um, you don't want to be the team with a 5.2 ERA. Um, <laughs> Cause even though it's only four or five weeks, it, it's hard to, to get sure. it out of that sure. hole. Um, or like if everyone has 140 runs with RBIs, there's sometimes a team that 110, 115, and that, that can be a little hard to make up. It, it takes, a few like maybe a month or two to make that up so um as long as you're somewhere in the middle or even um i guess above the 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 20th percentile in in most categories uh there's there's still plenty of time to figure it out a month or two to make up how many runs 30 runs 30 yeah oh boy (laughs) the the other thing is there's some leagues uh rob and phil where um you know the the leader has 130 points already and uh that that gives them a much bigger cushion if uh and then there's other leagues where you know all the three top teams are within 100 and 105 or some sometimes even in the 90s in terms of total points so those leagues i think are much more competitive you're going to see a lot more swapping around when you have a guy that's really broken out and it's 130 125 uh, I think, you know, certainly they can have their guys go into slump or get injured, but I think they've got some real room to work with um, and it will be harder to overtake them. 
There, there's this team in my auction that has 123 points and has been leading by about 15 points for the past three weeks. Do you know about that team, Todd? I, I think <laughs> I might know what team you're talking about, but that's that's total luck. You got. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the good luck. old uh, is that the good yeah. old Saxstone you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. that was Saxstone. But but the thing is that. It, Rob was sitting next to me. I don't know if you know that, Phil, but he was sitting next to me and he had so much equipment going to so he could communicate with you <laughs> that I didn't really know what was going on. I couldn't hear him talking, but then every once in a while he'd pipe up and go, you know, $25 or something. <laughs> and it was like, it was like he was getting, you know, had a, had a high frequency antenna somewhere and he was just, you know, popping out from, from behind the curtain. So um, anyway, uh, you guys are doing well in that league. And uh, I, I think uh, I've just gotten off to a little lucky start. I got a little nervous on a team with, uh, with Kettle Marte and Fernando Tatis, who were my two, my two big hitters. And I think half of my hitting budget was spent on those two guys. And uh, yeah. for, for a yeah. week there, I thought they were both gone for the year. Uh, now Marte's on his way back. Tatis is looking good, hoping he he stays healthy. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I, I've I've got I've got hope again in that league. <laughs> hope is I think back. that was the league where um where you had everybody else had filled the outfield, their starting outfield, and you got you had zero outfielders fill. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was an auction, so it wasn't a draft, but it's still I think you, if I'm not mistaken, I think you had your entire outfield empty at a fairly late stage in the auction. Yeah, um, honestly, I had so much stuff going on during that auction. It was the <laughs> hardest thing I've done because I was doing it on, on Zoom with, with Rob in New York. And um, even at one point when we were bidding on Trevor Bauer, I lost internet connection for 15 seconds, um, <laughs> right when we we're getting down to the end. And so I just, I was screaming, <laughs> screaming at my screen. Um, and then it, it comes back on and I just see uh, Trevor Bauer pop on my TV and I got him. So um, it, it worked out, but it, it was, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't have a good feeling what was going on in the room, uh, what everyone had. I was just sort of focused on my own team. Um, sure, sure. And yeah, I'm in, on that team, I'm still looking for outfielders. Um, Kettle Marte was my, my one guy that I was sort of counting on who was supposed sure. to get outfield uh, eligibility, right. um, but I'm, I'm still waiting on that. So um, <laughs> I, I, this past week, I was looking for outfielders in FAB. Um, so hopefully with, uh, with Marte coming back soon and with, uh, Luis Arias, who should get outfield, um, by the weekend, it'll, um, it'll work itself out, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was tough. <laughs> that was an anxiety filled, uh, like it just lead up to me drafting in New York with you on zoom, because, you know, I think I remember just DMing you one day and be like, I just want to let you know, I have a lot of anxiety about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to let you know. Well, doing an auction is already really hard. There's a lot of stuff right. going on. Yeah. And then I had that plus trying to hear properly in the room, um, making sure like a couple of times I didn't hear the guy's names properly. So I'd see it pop on my, on my TV um, too late or I, I I'd write you and you tell me who it was. But um, and the, the pace was really quick in that auction too. It so was. Sure, it was sure. hard to keep track of everything, but I, I think it, it, it went, it, it ended up okay. Um, not as, as good as I would have liked, but um, I think, I think the team's good enough to have a shot, but it was, uh, I don't think I'd do it again. It was, it was so nerve wracking. And, 
and the thing with Bauer too, though, like at least from like um, us conversating the, the whole draft season and sharing, uh, you know, draft boards or you know teams that I I kind of knew your stance on Bauer. So even if you lost uh, connection, I knew where I was with him at least, you know, on your team, you know, so uh, that helped. But um, you know, yeah, it 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 was crazy. Uh, I remember going to the first draft that Todd was in also right Todd were you in that draft the first draft in the morning and just popping in there early and testing the connection I was like hi Greg I'm Rob and like oh hi I'm just gonna test this zoom with Phil real quick and then I'm leaving oh man that was pretty cool experience hopefully we can get uh, hopefully we can get Phil uh, in person for next year and we'll have a have an auction where you know, everybody can hear clearly, and because uh, it's yeah. tough enough, to, it's tough enough to do an auction, a fifteen-team auction, when you everything is perfect. Let alone with those technical problems. And yeah, and yeah. and I hope I can be there next year. Yeah. And on top of that, right? We were just, you know, Mark. You know, was Gecko was, uh, you know, so firm on that he was going to raise hell. But especially when we found out I was sitting next to him, I was like, oh man. So that was like <laughs> another thing. And I'm like, I'm like, nah, he's, he's a nice guy. He's not going to just start going crazy at the draft, is he? Or saying all this in my head? It was, uh, but you know, <laughs> once you're there and settled in, you know, it was, it was good. It was okay. And I think I was most concerned about the power strip. And power, Mike, is there power there? Are they going to have cords? You know, all this stuff. And like, no, you know, they get real, uh, well, you know, uh, weird with the, I'm like, what do you mean you get weird? <laughs> I need power. People don't bring their computers. Anyway, but all right. Um, let's, let's get back on the course of the, uh, of the fab. Let's get into some player talk here. Um, what we came to look at. So Mr. Shane McClanahan led the, um, led the drops this, uh, but I had the led the ads this week. Forty three leagues um, for a high of two eighty eight. Um, what do you guys think about Shane McClanahan? Um, these this is some heavy dollars. Every even even every backup bid was was high. The lowest backup bid was fifty nine bucks, but most of them were in the hundreds. A lot of guys were pumping for Shane McClanahan. What is he going to do for the rest of the season? Is is this the uh, is this the next big gun that we're talking about here for uh, a rookie pitcher, or just another flash in the pan here? <laughs> well, I'll go first, uh, but I think he's got all the talent for sure. The innings are questionable. Uh, Tampa Bay's usage is questionable, but uh, he certainly got the talent to throw 100 miles an hour and got great breaking stuff. And so, I mean, I think that's tantalizing for many fantasy owners. He could theoretically be somebody you have all year. Um, you know, I was hesitant to go into the two or three hundreds, partly because that's really decimates your free agency budget for the year. But, um, but I do think he's talented. I think um, I support this high bid more than some others I've seen because I feel like this guy at least theoretically could be on your staff all year if he stays healthy. So um, I'll leave it there. I, I didn't get him really except for one online. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it could work out. I don't know what Phil thinks about uh, his chances. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed, Steamer has in projection for 3.45 ERA. I get, um, just so anyone at who it. looks at, at Steamer projections will know 3.45 for a young guy like that is really, really good. Um, some though he's projected for some relief innings. So 
Um, in, in reality, for a full-time star, that might be around the 3.6, 3.7 range, which is still really good. Um, mm-hmm. The problem is, first start, he threw 59 pitches. Um, and if I was going to do an over-under for a number of pitches in, in his next start, it'd probably be around 65. Like, I don't think he's – he's. I mean, spring training started two and a half months ago. So, um, And I don't think he had any injuries. So I, I know at first they were talking about um, – using him as a reliever and they they're starting to, to work him up to, to pitch um, to use as a traditional starter. Um, but a traditional starter for the race usually means four, maybe five innings um, right. unless, unless you're glass now and, or, or Yarbrough. Um, and they have a lot of young arms that they can bring up. Uh, they have Chris Archer is going to come back at some point. They have Rich Hill. Uh, Michael Waka, all guys that they mm-hmm. probably want to keep around three, four innings. So I think we're going to see a lot of piggyback starts um, for those guys. Um, yeah. If you told me he's going to pitch 150 innings, he's worth those 300, 400 dollar bids because I think he's that good. But if he's going to throw four innings, you're not going to get any wins. Um, so at that point, there isn't much difference between him and a guy like Brent Suter who pitches three innings every week and who's a 3.3, 3.5 ERA kind of guy. So um, right. the, 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 there's a really slim margin between it, it's, it's like whether he can go that those extra 20 pitches is probably a difference in value in about $300 in fab. So, um, and since I don't know, and I don't trust the raise, I kept my bids low on him, but um Someone who's desperate, desperate for pitching and needs upside, I, I can see it. Um, it. It's a risky play, though. Yeah, that's what I could definitely see it. Like, when you're really just looking for that upside play and, you know, hoping that he, he's going to really get those top top end innings. And, but I just, you know, like you mentioned, Phil, like all the all the amount of guys they have that they want to keep at three or four. And then, you know, look at Walker. He was lined up for like two starts, right? And then they were like, ah, you know, actually he's going to come in after Hill on Sunday, you know, because um, that's what the Rays will do. They'll just be, you know, changing things on the fly. So uh, I think trying to pin down his, you know, his value like that is, is tough. But um, yeah, I, that's the first thing that caught my eye when I looked at his rest of the season. I saw that three, three, four, five on steamer. And, and you know, like you said, Phil, that's a pretty good uh, spot for a young kid um, to, to be in. But um, yeah, just... Uh, I'm glad you compared it to Brent Suda, though. I feel I feel good. <laughs> Any Brent Suda comments, I will definitely welcome, 100. I, mean, I, I know that there's different kinds of pitchers, but Brent Suda's been around the league and he's throwing three innings a week. Um, that's true. So, that's true. Yeah. You know he's a good pitcher. You know he's going to throw three innings a week, and he's not owned anywhere. I think so. He's free. Right. So right. if if McClanahan can't get those wins, then he's in the Suda range. If he can go five, six innings and get those wins then he's maybe a top 30 pitcher, top 40 pitcher. So um, it's, it's a really, really, really narrow margin between, between the two, uh, the two worlds, I guess. Right, right. The other thing, other possibility, Phil, is that it would be great for fantasy owners is if they would put somebody like Luis Patino as the opener in yeah. front of McClanahan. If they did that, even with four innings, then he's a much different uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That that will completely change change things as well. So, but I think they said they wanted to use him as a traditional traditional yeah, starter. So that that was kind of the quote that sort of um, 
dropped his value a little bit for me because I don't think he I don't think he can go five six innings for the next five months. I gotta think too. Like he he threw what in twenty in twenty nineteen he threw about a hundred and twenty innings in the minors, um, something like that. And I gotta think that they're not gonna go more than about a hundred ish right this year with him, a um, hundred fifteen max. Maybe. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that, you know. that would be my that's that's my guess as well. And since they called him up this early, um, right. that's what I'm saying, right? If you call up a guy like like this in July and he's thrown maybe 20 innings in AAA, um, I could see it for the last two or three months. But um, that they called him up this early, um, I think they just want to keep using him in that right. Role. Like, right, yeah, like what if he's a stud, right? Don't you think they're gonna be like, okay, now we have to make sure, right, that he 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 can be there for us at the stretch and into the playoffs. Right. You know, yeah. so, and then at that point it becomes, well, what do they do with him in between that time? You know? So uh, that's why I was looking at it, you know, because I do feel like, you know, that he's going to be effective enough that they're going to be wanting to keep him around, you know, later in the season, especially in the playoffs. Like they, you know, they brought him, <laughs> you know, into a big stage last year, you know, as his first appearance. So um, I think they know that they want him there. So, Maybe there's uh maybe there's a time where he gets either sent back down or you know um who knows you know um but yeah let's move along to Mr Mike Talkman um added in 41 leagues um for a max of 194 and added in a league for 14 bucks um his average winning bid was 70 bucks and average backup bid was 41 so a lot of a lot of healthy competition a lot of tight competition for mike talkman heads over to the giants after leaving the yankees and um also to went into a nice quick draw a pretty pretty draw with going to colorado for the first three games of the week so you kind of get a double double there he's kind of moving into some playing time um got some speed some pop decent hit tool and going to colorado so prices probably just inflated a little bit but still um a lot of healthy bids for mike talkman um did you guys have any participation in the bids and what do you feel about mike talkman going forward todd go ahead yeah yeah, I, uh, I, I like Talkman. Uh, I'm a Yankee fan, so I fought, I've seen him play quite a bit. Um, he does have speed, so he can steal bases. Um, and I was in on him, although I didn't really get him very much uh, because I went lower. Um, but he should be at least the strong side of the platoon for the Giants. I think it's, um, it's questionable whether he's going to play you know, full time. But mm-hmm. uh, I think they like him, and I think he's going to play. And he should uh, be in the mix. And I think he's like a 260, 270 hitter with some pop and some speed. So I think in terms of 15 team leagues, that's not, there's not that many guys that are on the wire with that sort of situation. Yeah, I had some bids in the, in the $20, $30 range on him where I needed outfield help. Um, I just hate paying the tax um, mm. for for the guy that was in the news, the guy that got traded, the guy that hit two home runs on the weekend, things like that. So um, when we, we we'll talk about it a little bit later, but a guy what, like Yonatan Daza was um, on the wire on the wire last week, available for twenty thirty bucks. Um, the skills aren't as great, but he's in cores and he's going to get everyday playing time. So when I compare that to a guy like Talkman, who uh, when Yastrzemski comes back on, they said likely Friday, um, 
he's going to play every day. So it leaves three, four guys for two spots. And mm-hmm. I don't think they want Talkman as the everyday center fielder. So it, it seems to, to be between him and um, Dickerson for one spot. So maybe he plays 70% of the games, but is that worth the $70 bid in, in fab? Um, I don't think it is, um, but it could change. Someone else can get hurt. He can play every day. Um, for, mm-hmm. for, for him to be worth that much for me, he has to play every day uh, and hit second or third in the lineup. And I'm not convinced that's going to happen. Right. I, I'm going to be missing get it negative on all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like anybody you people are bidding on. Oh, man. When, no. when, when Rob and I talk um, on, on Sunday about, about who, who we're bidding on and who we like, yeah, he always asks, what do, you, what do you think about this guy? And don't like him. What do you think about this guy? Don't like him. Don't like him. What about Mike Trout? I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not some uh, bases. Yeah, right. He, he doesn't steal, so I, I won't. No. Um, then, I'm just kidding I, you, Phil. It was a the going back to that auction draft. There's sometimes where, um, you know, it's like uh, there was a guy that went out, got called out, and uh, I see like Phil, like uh, has this guy valued for like three bucks, and he goes for twenty two, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> what am i doing wrong evaluating this guy but uh yeah very right, interesting. Right. but um yeah no it's uh no because i think i think i think it's a good process that we're talking about like and um for all those things that you mentioned because um i think it's things that people tend to uh overlook is uh context of the team yeah like he here's the shiny new guy and he got the yankee text on top of it and um you know, the ex Yankee tax and it, yeah, it's, there's so many things yeah, that goes into it. Tax. Yeah. Right. Right. I think for most of these guys, again, I sort of somewhat agree with Phil, you know, if you look at the upper echelon bids, the upper end of the bids rather for a lot of these players that I have listed here, you know, I, I do get the feeling that it's just too much, you know, and uh, certainly if you look at the entire list and tell me, oh, uh, one or two of these guys is really going to work out beautifully. I probably would would understand, but I still think the odds are against you, especially if you're bidding 90 to 110, which is what a lot of these guys commanded at the upper end. Um, so you have to make a choice about how you're going to manage your fab. And if you want to take your shot on one guy, like the next guy, Harrison Bader, was somebody bid 99, yeah, he's got speed, uh, but, you know, I just – he's been around a while. He has never been a great player. You know, I just feel like you're that's one-tenth of your total budget for the year. Yeah, he's – But he had a home run know, on Sunday. Yeah, he, so he, yeah, he hit a home a run. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. okay. <laughs> you know, he hit his 14th home run in his 509th plate appearance. He's 30, and he has 509 plate appearances. So, yeah, but no, he, he's going to go on a run yeah, actually, now. Another, and, he just hit another home run uh, about 15 minutes ago. So Boom. Maybe. So. <laughs> okay, so maybe I should take it back. I take it back. No, right. but I, I was going to say the same thing about Bader. He's yeah. um, a career 234 hitter with 29% strikeout rate. Um, decent power, good speed. Uh, but the problem is those guys, they're better for fantasy than for, for the Cardinals. So mm-hmm. uh, he's going to hit um, tonight. He's hitting seventh. He's going to move down to eighth when Molina comes back. 
um, and hitting eighth in the NL isn't um, a great spot. Um, and I don't really see path for him moving up. He hit eighth or nine all year last year. Um, so he's good defensively. So they're going to keep using him every day, but for me, he's, he's close to, to replacement level, uh, in a 15 team league, if you were going to just stream guys in and out, um, every mm-hmm. week. So, mm-hmm. um, th- they're sort of guys that'll put bids for 10, 15, 20 bucks. when I need an outfielder hoping I have a guy who's going to play pretty much every day over the, for the next month. And, uh, that I hit somehow I get a hot streak in there, but, um, they're not used to guys that, I mean, going for 50, 60, 70, or I think 99, like you said, was the highest bid. Um, right. I, I just don't see it. Right. I got myself some Harrison Bader this week. <laughs> I needed, I needed an outfielder okay. and, uh, I, you know, I, I whatever. I, I think some I think, of the, okay. some of these bids might be um, because of all the injuries we've seen. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Down to three healthy outfielders, and you see that Bader and Talkman are the only are by far the best two in Fab. Um, you see a hole in your team, you have to make sure you get them and put in a high bid. Sure. Right. Um, sure. I got them for thirty two so bucks. I, I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I had it, I had it at 22 and then I moved it to 26 and then I moved it back to 22 and then I moved the 32 for some reason, but <laughs> the backup bid was 22. So I'm actually glad I moved it up, but uh, you know, yeah. a lot of leagues he was picked up for 26, 25 with, with zero backup. So, um, you know, sometimes it happens like that, but uh, I mean, I needed, I needed outfielder and is the team where I'm carrying Santander and I didn't want to drop him. So, um, in the main, and, um, so it's like, uh, it's an outfield spot. I just needed and I need to get volume from. So I just wanted to make sure I got it. And yeah, I do like it for a little, you know, some steals and, uh, power, you know, that's what I think the joy is from Bader and Arenado just hit a three run bomb against Joey Luch on the Mets. <laughs> this team's a mess. Uh, and yeah. I, I have some just to explain my negativity on all these guys. Um, I, I pulled up the list of guys that were uh, the hitters that were picked up in at least 10 leagues in, in a given week. Mm-hmm. The top guys were Zach McKinstry, who went for 151 average, uh, Tyler Naquin, 128, Michael Lee Taylor, 125, Yermin Mercedes, 115. I think he's the one exception who's still doing well. Um, Kyle Isbell for 100, Tim LaCastro for 75. And he was dropped in a bunch of leagues and picked up available for 10, 15 bucks of late. Uh, Willie Calhoun is actually looking pretty good at 71. Then Travis shot 55 and Luis Arias at 54. So um, those guys in the 50, 60, $70 range um, seem to have paid off so far. Right. But paying the, the weekly hot hitter tax um, usually isn't worth it. For Mercedes, it's sort of working out, but it's, it's one out of five so far. Um, and I mean, you're usually, you're much better getting two guys in the 50, $70 range than one guy, 150. Um, right. I'd rather get two shots at, I mean, obviously it's easy when, when you look at it, um, now with, with like three, two, two, three, four weeks later. Uh, but even, even when it happened, I'd rather take two shots at guys like Travis Shaw and Arias than just getting one shot at. A McKinstry a Taylor, because uh, in the end they're 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 all similar in terms of value. If you look at Steamer, if you look at other projections, you're just paying an extra seventy five for the guy who hit two home runs, or um, or who's 
maybe getting more playing time because of a, a short-term injury or things like that. So um, that would be my, my one lesson that um, <laughs> sure. I, I'd say that I, I, I've learned in the past. I'm trying to stay away from, from those, those, head, those, the, those high bids. Yeah, I've gotten great results from Arias and Shaw in that range too. So I'm I'm pretty happy with those guys. They've been uh, they've been providing me some good uh, solid value for sure. And it's different when if someone makes a bad drop and there's there's a guy who's available in in one or two leagues. Um, there's a reason that guy is still ninety five percent owned, and those guys can be worth going over hundred bucks. But right. the guy that's available in every league and goes for over hundred bucks is. Uh, is is really worth it in, in my mind mm-hmm. all right sorry about all uh, about um that big parenthesis we can we can move on to the, <laughs> the, <next guy laughs> on the list <laughs> um okay let's talk about um colorado close um reliever michael givens um picked up in 32 you said leagues. it right colorado closer colorado closer <laughs> yeah i said i said that right um i think i kind of fell asleep on this one a little bit not uh to be honest with you, but um, yeah, it picked up for Mac to 121, um, as low as seven in uh, in one league. Um, yeah, average winning bid of 38 bucks here, Mr. Michael Givens. Uh, so Bard is getting rocked. Um, so do you, do you like the situation, uh, Phil? And do you, but tell me about his skills as well, too. Is he, is he gonna, um, it seems like his first pitch strike is a little up there. His ball percentage came down a little bit to maybe kind of believe that his walk rate might get a little better, but is, uh, not, not only if he, you know, gets the role, you think he's good to keep it? Um, I, I, I put in bids of, of, I got him in two leagues for $12. Um, one of them was, uh, I won at the tiebreaker. The backup bid was also 12. Um, so wow. there, there's, two, there, there are two teams where I, I need a closer and I had uh, a spot open on my roster. So I took a shot. Um, the Bard um, sort of blow up yesterday where he gave up four runs, um, put me on, on Gibbons. Um He's a decent veteran reliever. Probably I see outside of cores as a 3.5 ERA guy, um, maybe in course a 4.5 ERA kind of guy. Uh, but the Rockies don't really have any other options. Bard was great last year. He's not looking good, especially in his, um, I think in his last six outings, he has nine or runs or something like that. Um, yeah, nine runs in his last six outings. So um, something's off. Um, whether Givens get, I think Givens might get the next shot. Um, I don't know if it's one of those situations where they just give Bart a break for, for two or three days and let him get the job back or if, if Givens can run away with it. Um, but I think he's definitely the next guy, um, veteran who's had, who's closed before. So, um, it's a speculative bid, um, I hope it works out because I got him in two leagues, like I said, but um, I'm, I'm not that confident about it. it it's cores, it's bad ratios um, and on a bad team. So um, I'm not too hopeful, but I think there's a, there's a chance and we're all desperate for saves. So um, it that's could good, work out. Yeah, that's a good price. It's a good speculative price. And you would have had two of the cheapest ads on him if it wasn't for our good friend, Jake Halsker yeah. of the high, uh, high, heat stakes podcast um you got it for seven bucks um so yeah pretty 
pretty good dart right there for 12 bucks. He went as high as 121 and 101 in a couple of weeks. So um, definitely don't need see the need to have to believe, spend that I much believe together. I believe but... got him for around 30 bucks in a couple of leagues as well. So when I see his name uh, besides a player, I also yeah. got um, – it's uh, – I, I always like to see that. Right. Right. He, he, he went, um, he went completely uncontested in our league, Todd. Um, Frank Stample of CBS got him for uh, 14 bucks mm-hmm. with uh, no mm-hmm. backup bid. Um, so again, I guess I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on the situation or at least I was, but uh, yeah. Um, you know, we'll see if Givens get the shot. Um, you know, Colorado does weird things too. So, you know, they got this kid, Justin Lawrence, right? And he's like another feel-good story like Bard. I could feel them just being like, hey, you throw 100 and, you know, something cool happened to your uh, path back to baseball. So you get a save. Um, so who knows? Who knows what the whole new ownership of Colorado are going to do? But that's a pretty good bid there, Phil, for 12 bucks. Um, Todd, what do you think about Givens? Do you like him? Well, I, I had trouble uh, getting over the hump of what I had seen from Michael Givens before when he was mm. in Baltimore. And then the fact that he's in Colorado, which is, if anything, a worse pitching environment. But uh, I do support what Phil's saying. You know, you're taking a spec closer. And Rob, you and I last week were talking about on every 15 team roster, you need one or two guys that aren't closing that you think have a shot. And the question is, do you make good choices? And have guys that have at least a chance for saves in the future. So I I certainly support it from that extent. Uh, There isn't tons of options in every main event league. And, you know, if you, if you tell me Bard is not a good pitcher, I certainly agree with you. I just, I just don't, I wouldn't want to be an owner of Michael Givens watching him close a game in Coors Field. (laughs) I think that would be a painful experience, but uh, but could he get uh, 10, 12, 15 saves? Sure, it could happen, definitely. Right, absolutely. Let's move on to Mr. Tony Gonsolin, picked up in 31 leagues for as much as 83 and as cheap as one buck. Um, his average win bid was uh, 39 bucks, so um, pretty decent um, spread of bids across for Tony Gonsolin. A good friend, Matty Wood, um, tweeted out today that threw about 35 pitches in a bullpen, um, still hadn't faced live hitters. So when Dave Roberts came out and said that he's about three or four weeks from even being available. So this is, uh, you know, a pretty confident stash. Um, also in the wake of the bad news about Dustin May, um, having to have Tommy John. Um, obviously, we all saw him get hurt yesterday. So this probably pumped up the bids a little more to say, hey, you know, when Gosselin comes back, it should be a clearer role for him. Um, is a month too long to stash a pitcher like this, Phil? For me, it is. Um, I especially it, for a hitter, I'll, I'll sometimes do it if the if the hitter is worth it. But for um, for a pitcher, there's there's often setbacks. Um, and mm. if, if the three four weeks they said that's if everything <laughs> works out well in uh, being usable in fantasy, it's probably closer to five six weeks. Um, just because you often don't start the guy in his first start because you don't know about the pitch count. Um, then again, it's it's team. it depends on team context. I mean, if, if all your hitters are healthy uh, and you have two closers you're happy about, um, if you have a spot on your roster, then yeah, it, you can give it a shot because we know Gonsolin is, is really good. Um, 
but w- what if there's a setback and you you just wasted a bench spot for four weeks for a guy that you have to drop afterwards? Um, so it's it's not a move I could afford to make on my teams, but I can see it on on some teams where it's um, or it, they they can afford to do it. Um, it, it could pay off. When, when um I'm 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 gonna actually do like an on the spot comparative here. If if you if you were someone who like drafted let's say Framber Valdez like um I don't know wherever he was going in the main event um how did that compare to holding a guy like him and holding a guy like Gonson now um is it worth like a later round pick or is it worth a lot of money in Fab to do that move? Um, in in the first four or five weeks of the year, it's not as bad. Um, I drafted guys like Sonny Gray. Um, I have Lamed in one league who I'm holding on to and we'll see what happens. Um, I'm okay with guys like that. Cause when you start the year, everyone's healthy. So you have seven bench spots open. So if you spend one on a guy that's hurt, um, it's fine. Now with all the injuries we've seen in the past two, three weeks, most of us, most of us have two or three injuries at least on our roster. So if you're adding one, then you're really, you're maybe not going to take a zero, but it's going to force you to take a to start a mediocre hitter with, with, with two games on a Monday to Thursday or start an Aaron Sanchez in cores or something like that. So um, all those little things that you're losing every week, are they worth what Gunsland can bring you, um, can maybe bring you for the last three months? Mm. Um, that's why on most teams, I wouldn't do it. But if you're lucky enough to have two closers that you feel good about, that you don't have to use a bench spot on, on a middle reliever, and if all your hitters are healthy, then yeah, you can you you have a bench spot open, you can afford to do it. And it's yeah. not going to hurt you anywhere else for over those next four or five weeks. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's like the one team I do have Framber on. It's uh, I'm pretty okay across the board where um, I'm afford to you know keep them in there because, um, and especially too, like, uh, you know, they said that, he might return quicker than we anticipated. And yeah, he's working his way there. But uh, uh, Todd, what's your thoughts here, Mr. Gonsolin? You think he's going to come back and be um, and be a stud? I'm not sure about that, but he's look, he's pitching for a great team. He could get a lot of wins if he was healthy. Um, I think people are just grabbing upside, Rob. You know, they are looking at what could Gonsolin be if he was healthy for four months. And he could be great, but, you know, Phil points out some great uh, possibilities that he could have a setback or pitch limited innings. And the Dodgers, even if everybody's healthy, usually mix and match their guys anyway. Um, So I wasn't willing to really figure out a way to try to hold him. Um, But I know people were excited to have him on their roster. So Again, you only have so many shots each year. You can spend, you know, 60, 70, 80. And some of these guys, that's, they thought this, this qualified. I uh, can't completely argue with it. Right, right. Um, let's move on to Garrett Richards. Picked up in 26 leagues um, for as high as 90. And again, some competitive bidding on him for a 42 average winning bid and a 30 buck average backup bid. Um, it's funny. Sorry, I, I didn't need to laugh. I just, I always like uh, when when I pull the information that has the team names on it. You know, it. Have you ever laughed when you see some people's teams names? You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's hysterical. How many team names people have out there? It's like worst Russians ever. Like, what is that? What did that even mean? 
Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, need me to sidetrack you, but that's where my brain is those, right now. Those guys, um, I happened to have drafted against them one year. And uh, <laughs> what do you mean, those guys? There's a bunch of guys. It's two guys, and they, I think, they are Russian by heritage, <laughs> and uh, and and they they they. they, they or combined effort, and I think they do, or they had done rather well up to that point because somebody was telling me about them. So, uh, but they seem to in the league that I was in, they seem to argue quite a bit about who, <laughs> who to uh, bid on in an auction. So I don't know if that's a, that, that's not a good sign usually, but maybe it works for them. We have to do like um, a special at some point of the year, maybe like the All Star break, uh, the best main event team names. Because this is, uh, that definitely has to be covered. Oh, so getting back to Garrett Richards, um, two back-to-back decent games, um, uh, 12 total innings pitch and two earned runs. Uh, yeah, what do you think he could bring to the table for the rest of the year, Phil? Um, the upside is interesting from because of the last two starts. Um, odds are it, it was just, it, it won't, he'll go back to being the pitcher he's been, for the past two years uh, but there's there's something there maybe he figured something out in the last two starts um the, the, his next two are going to be really telling to see if, if it's really something he figured out or if he goes back to that guy who struck out three or four guys in, in his first few starts this year so um i think worst case scenario he's a guy you can hold and he's going to be decent seven starter um but there's upside there so um, I, I, I can see it. Um, I didn't bid on him because there's, there's other guys I like better and I've been really focusing my teams on on starting pitcher depth and the guys I had I, I like better than the Richards, but I, I could see uh, I can see those bits. I can understand them. Nice. Todd, do you like Guy Richards? I like him. I think the question is for him, him is always about health. I think he's talented enough to do the job and Boston seems to be hitting so he could get some wins. Uh, so if you ride him for a month or two and then he, he has an injury problem, you could still drop him if he didn't pay too much. And I think I got him in one uh, league for 28 or something. So I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, but yeah, I agree. I don't think he's a guy to build around or anything like that, given his history and his sort of sporadic performance over the last two years. Right. Absolutely. Um I want to move on to Kyle Higashioka, um, catcher for the New York Yankees. Uh, this one, you know, it just had me scratch my head for the leagues where he went for 101 and 88 bucks. Um, <laughs> I mean, how much realistically is he going to play, you know, um, anyway? Just, you know, I don't know. Aaron Boone says something, people react, Yankee tax, right? All that stuff. Or is there something mm-hmm. here that I'm missing? Todd, you're a Yankee fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got him in our league, uh, but it was for 16. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't like, uh, you know, and I had Travis Darno, who's out for 60 days. And I, you know, unfortunately I had to drop him. I can't hold a catcher for 60 days. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's talented. He's been able to hit. I still think they're going to play Gary Sanchez. They're not going to just give him full-time playing time. Um, I think he is hitting a little bit over his head. So that's probably working against the addition. But uh, I do think he'd be an adequate fill-in. I think he can hit for an average, maybe 250, 260, uh, and maybe give you a little bit of power. But I'm not expecting the, the world 
with this edition or anything like that. I wouldn't have bid, you know, 80 or higher on Higashioka. Yeah, um, I'm with Todd. Um, like, he's 31 years old. He's not all of a sudden a great hitter. Um, other players have been good for two weeks, and it, they just go back down to, to what their, their norm is. Um, so if, if he's going to be the starting catcher and play two-thirds of the games, then, yeah, I think he's maybe a top 20 catcher who's worth a $30, $40 bid maybe. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I don't think Yankees are going to go away from, from Gary Sanchez. I think it might be a 50-50 split um, at best. So, at that point, for me, he's a replacement-level catcher. Um, and, like, there's guys like Luis Torrance, uh, Trevino, um, Jacob Danny Stallings. All... Sorry? Danny Jansen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of those types of guys where um, their value depends on playing time. If they get, if they're on pace for 400, 450, 500 plate appearances, then they're a top 15 catchers. And if they're on pace for 350 or 400, then they're just replacement level. So um, I, I'm fine with the four, $14 bid, like you said, Todd, for uh, if you're replacing a guy like Darno or. Um, right. Who else was hurt this week? Um, a couple injuries. Alejandro Kirk was, uh, Kirk. he's out for yeah, like yeah, Kirk, yeah. There was some current about Contreras, too. My, you know, um, and Molina is out for, for a week or two. Right. Um, right. I forgot the, uh, yeah, Narvaez is out for a while as well. So, um, I, I think a lot of the, we saw a lot of, ca- of, of high catcher bits this week. And I think right. that there was their the injury tax because there were three or four guys that were looking for, for a replacement catcher. Uh, which you don't normally see. Um, so that might explain some of the higher bids, but he's he's not the guy. I would have just made five, ten dollar bids on on the guys um I like the best, thinking that two weeks from now I might I'm like an, I might like another guy better. Mm-hmm. Right. You're definitely right about the catcher trend because Andrew Kneiser went in 29 leagues, Canino went in 21 leagues, um Max Dasty went in 18 leagues, uh Danny Jansen. Um, yeah, so um, a lot of injury holes to fill there for sure. And the catcher is like our friend uh, Dave McDonald like to say, catchers do get hurt very sarcastically. <laughs> he does like to point that out to us when we love our catchers. Um, but he's right, you know, they, they get dinged up a lot. Um, but um, and that's why pretty, everyone gets hurt. <laughs> everybody gets hurt. gets hurt. Everybody. Like, You're right. Good right. point. Yeah. Everyone look at all the, the players. We always, I mean, if Real Muto gets hurt, then everyone's gonna look at early catcher getting hurt. But I mean, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Soto, um, Acuna was hurt, Tatis was hurt. Like, everyone's Harper's hurt now. Like, everyone in the first three rounds has been hurt pretty much. So, right. um, is still out. So, um, there's been so many hitter injuries, and it's just when it's a catcher, we pay attention because it, it confirms our. our some people's biases, but um, I think I, I don't think it's it's a thing. Yeah, we're so concerned about innings pitched and and, and pitchers and you know how they're gonna come back and throw and all these hitters are a um, bunch of hammies, bunch of light uh, legs and obliques. Um, yeah, <laughs> these guys didn't keep themselves ready for the season um, for sure. Uh, I want to talk about Dalton Vasho. Um, he was a pretty popular pick this week. Um, another catcher, you know, eligible 
catcher outfielder added in 23 leagues for as high as 147. Um, now, Phil, how do you see his playing time, um, you know, spilling out with possible returns from with Marte and then LaCastro and Christian Walker coming back today and Paven Smith also swinging a real good bat. His offense kind of seems like almost like it's uh, could be pretty viable um, and keep this team moving forward. But do you think he's going to get some playing time? It's going to be worth it holding forward or you think he's on his way back to the alternate site or the minor leagues? And he was called up six days ago and he's played one game. So um, even with all those guys hurt. Um, and I think that they made it pretty clear in spring that they see him as, as a future starting catcher. Uh, but over the last two years, he hasn't gotten much, much playing time in catcher. So I think if, if they have their way, they're going to put him down AAA for the full season and let him be a catcher, get better, and then use him as starter next year. Because um, I think his bat... For fantasy, the guy who plays every day in the outfield that you can put in the catcher spot is really, really valuable. And that's why you see those bids. But in real life, he's a league average hitter at any other position, maybe even below average. Um, so if you put him a catcher, then yeah, he's good hitting catcher. But if you put him in the outfield, then he's just an average outfielder. So um, I think they called him up because they were desperate for outfield help. Help. Um, I kind of changed my mind a little bit because uh, today they sent down um, Andy Young and Nick Heath uh, instead of our show. So maybe they, um, maybe there's a chance he stays up, but um, I don't know. Maybe just waiting for the AAA season to start and, and put him back back down AAA. Um, I don't know. I, there's a chance there's upside. Um yeah, but I'm. I don't think there there's regular playing time available for him in in the outfield with like with the guys who said you named uh, right. coming back, and even and Pavin Smith who sort of came out of nowhere and who's hitting well, um, and who's got pretty much a spot guaranteed right now. So and even Josh Rojas who started hitting better. Um, that it, it's weird to say if the Diamondbacks have quite a few guys hitting well at least over the past week or two. So yeah. Um, um, it's a good offense. Yeah. Like even even um, you know, in a couple of my draft champions, you know, uh, my like uh, late late Eduardo Escobar's and David Peralta's, they're, they're you know they're doing pretty well. Um, but that offense is pretty pretty interesting. Todd, what do you about you? Do you like uh, Dalton Varsho's uh, chance to stick around and put some value into him? I mean, you know, the, he is catcher eligible, so even if you know mm-hmm. he's gonna need one. More than one game, though, a week to be valuable. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I basically agree with Phil. I don't see that he's got the path to playing time in order to be valuable. Certainly at $100 plus seems excessive to me, but he could play his way in. He does have a little speed. I think that was the original thing that got people excited in the draft day, uh, period was that it's a catcher-eligible guy that could play in the outfield, could steal bases. But I, unless there's more injuries, I don't think he's really going to be in there enough. So I would say, yeah, for 10 or 20 bucks, I'm happy to try to find out. But for 70 and, and higher, I think it's too much. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh... 
I want to, you know what? I, I really want to touch on one quick thing before we move to some, some, some of the drops, uh, Sean Doolittle, um, and the Cincinnati red closer situation. Um, Todd, what do you think is happening there? And, and who do you think the, like the biggest guy going forward the rest of the season in the, in the red oh, bull paint? You, you think it's just going to be a mishmash all year? I don't know. Every time you think the one guy is going to take the lead and be the guy, he, he has a terrible outing. Uh, I would have bet on Lucas, Lucas Sims of, a couple of weeks back. Um, but now I did put in a bid, a low bid for Sean Doolittle and mm-hmm. one of the mains, not the one I'm in with you, but um, just to have him on the bench and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think they can't all be this bad consistently for the entire year. Um, you know, I do think TJ Anton is the best pitcher out of the group. Now that may not mean that he gets the bulk of the saves because he can pitch two or three innings at a time. But I do say um, if I could just pick any one of them to own right now, it'd be Anton. Um, but I think Doolittle has a shot because Sims and Garrett have been so bad that they just, I think they'll do anything to sort of calm the situation down. Right. But I also like, um, I don't know. For me too, like when there's such a, a large amount of guys vying for a save too, you have to like, are you going to put him in your starting lineup, you know, to, to hope for a save where maybe you can, you know, you're not running out of starter or a guy like we're saying, like Brent Suter who can no. give you, you know, three, you know, like Phil, that's something that you ever do on a team. If we were like dying of saves, do you put in a guy with a possibility of getting one? Or are you just going to wait and, you know, get, get K's and um, you know, from a starter and just, you know, wait until you have a guy that you can plug in who, who should get some saves. I'll, I'll do it in July or August if I'm desperate for saves and I have a lead in, in K's and wins. But doing it at this point when you don't know how the rest of the team is going to work out, um, I mean, a half closer is just a killer in terms of, of pure value, I guess. If you do the, the SJP math, like project any reliever for 15 saves over a season and he's not going to be valuable as valuable as the large majority of starters. So um, if, I mean, if, if it's just a, a week where all your starters have a bunch of bad matchups and like, and like I, I said, Aaron Sanchez, if you have Aaron Sanchez and Logan Webb and, and um, um, in cores, then you might want to sit those guys and, and put in um, a guy like that, just in case he gets to save. But usually they're the guys I, I mean, uh, like I said, half closer doesn't get you much. Just hoping for a save, and because he could just well get blown up and give up five earned runs in two innings and um, hurt your ratio. So mm-hmm. they're they're not usually plays I'll make unless, in, like I said, in July or August, I'm desperate for saves. Um, as far as Doolittle, I mean, he had that one save last week, I think, but then the last two games he came in the sixth inning. So. Um, if I had to bet on the guy who's going to the next chance, I, I might say Garrett because he's he's had four, I think four decent, out, uh, three decent outings in a row. Um, he was lights out in spring. Maybe he just, he figured something out recently and they're going to give him another shot. Mm-hmm. Doolittle's been open in the past about not, not liking to be closer. So, um, but that bullpen's been so bad. So maybe they just say, put Dooler in there and see if he can hope he can run away with it. Um, I'm fine with the, with the spec bid, put him on your bench for a week or two. 
if you have the spot open and hope it works out. Um, just like Gibbons, it's it's a shot or a ten twelve dollars shot that I, I'd taken if I needed saves and I had the open the the bench spot open. Right, right. Yeah, right. and if you need a guy to challenge Anthony Rizzo to a fight, I think he's the perfect guy, <laughs> the perfect guy for that. Um, I'm not sure you get any. I don't think you get any fantasy points, Rob, for that. Just a meatball. No, you just get like a meatball. <laughs> you just get on the meatball list, you know. He went to my alma mater, St. John's. We had guys to play basketball, uh-huh. and he transferred uh, because he was a meatball and just wasn't liked by anyone. And you know, had a hissy fit when the coach didn't play him as much as he thought he should have played. So um, I don't. I yeah. I hope he doesn't get it in principle because of. You know, I am the closer and like mouthing off to Anthony Rizzo. Like, I don't know, you're just a bag of shit when you do stuff like that. And <laughs> you could do whatever you want on a on a baseball field. You know, you could bat flip, and you know, you could be you can celebrate. But like what Alvarado did, you know, to like Dom Smith. Like, you, come on, you, grow up. Like, really, grow up. Like, you you could pound on your chest, but like when you direct it at someone like that, like. Yeah, right. I don't know. He's yeah, just total meatballs in my eyes, and you know, just won't get rostered on my teams at all because of moves like that. I don't care how valuable you are. Off meatball moves, no <laughs> roster ship. Um, I'll, before we talk about the drops, I just want to get real quick insight onto when there's a player out there. Um, um, maybe it hasn't happened in your league, but I just want to get insight on how you would value guys who are available that were like either highly coveted in the drafts, um, like a guy like Tommy Pham, for example, um, and then to a, a lesser degree, uh, Corey Kluber and Kikuchi, they were available in one league um, in, in different leagues. Um, and Pham went for like 344 on Kikuchi. Uh, 338, Kluber 221. We got a little Dylan Cease also 267. Um, how do you value a guy who may be like a guy like Tommy Pham, who was a you know, top 90 pick? How do you, um, if he was available in the league, how do you, you know, project what, you know, kind of value he has on your team um, and determine how much money because those, you know, those bids are a lot, but for a guy like Tommy Pham, where you think, you know, well, this guy was picked uh, pretty high. If he could be that player, you know, is that dollar value uh, worth it, I guess? Todd? Todd. Sure. Uh, so I think this falls into what Phil was saying before, where these are the sometimes the situation where you do want to go $100, $200 for a guy that was, um, really highly rostered and was dropped for some reason. Um, but I would say in addition, I would go back to what your evaluation was of that player at the beginning of the year. I wouldn't just get um, completely crazy just because he's available and he's the one guy that's dropped that's really 98% owned in all main events. Um, so Kluber, for example, I'm a Yankee fan, so I'm hopeful that he's going to pitch well this season. I'm not really going to break the bank, even if he was available in my league, uh, because I think that he's not throwing really hard, and I think he's going to rely on Guile to get the outs, and it's questionable whether he's going to really uh, do extremely well. Uh, Tommy Pham, I had a higher grade on to start the year, so I would have gone more in on somebody like that. Right. 
for, for me, for, for the hitters, it comes down to playing time, whether or not that's changed. Um, in Fam's case, um, it's, it's so it's such a thin line between everyday playing time for him and just playing once every two days. Um, it'll depend what he does over the next week or two. Um, they've, I think he's played the last three or four games. So, uh, it looks like they might be, and he's been hitting better. So, um, he might be getting everyday playing time, but now you have him Myers and Profar, sort of three guys for, uh, three guys for two spots. So, I think he's going to get some days off. Whereas um, in in draft season, we were expecting him to play every day. So um, that's one thing that's changed. So for me, if if we were drafting right now, he's not a top 150 pick. He's probably a guy in the 250, 300 range. So uh, kind of guy that I think is worth maybe around 100 bucks. Um, I mean, I'll I'll I've I've said this. I'll rarely make a bid. I don't think I've made a bid over 100 bucks so far this year. Um, maybe low 100s, but um, I'd rather take multiple shots. Um, for I might do it for for a pitcher. I'm probably more likely to do it. Um, someone, I think Bill and Cease was available in one league. Uh, if mm-hmm. I'm struggling for pitching, he's the kind of guy that I liked in spring. Um, who's had who's had some ups and downs, but his last start was good. I think he's starting to figure things out. Um, so he's one guy I might go up to closer to 204 um but like todd said it goes back to my evaluation that i had it in draft season kikuchi went i mean kikuchi and Klubra wasn't really high on um lamette with this setback is such a risk um mm-hmm. they're not guys that i'd pay up for um but yeah i i, I mean i'd i maybe it's it's i don't want to say this to sound arrogant but i feel like i can do so much with 300 dollars in fab um just picking my targets with those mm-hmm. 70, 80, 90 dollar bids. Like in one league, I picked up um, David Peterson this week for 87. He has a 3.2 Sierra after five starts. He's a guy that they're going to throw out there. I mean, he, he was healthy last year, throw through, I think, 50 innings or so, looked pretty good. Four more first round pick um, who can easily get up to 150, 160 innings this year. Um, and made like a former first round pick with 3.3 Sierra. His ERA hasn't been that great, but he, he looked uh, pretty good last night. So um, they're the kind of shots I like to take around 80 bucks. And if I can get four, four guys like that, um, I think it's a much better, um, much better value for my money than spending 250, 300 even on a guy like Cease that I liked, um, I'd rather get four guys like Peterson than than one one Dylan Cease. Oh, Dylan Cease is not going to be happy about that. I, I I and I already got him in. I think yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe more so diversification. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, all right, cool. All right. Um, some of the drops. Um, any drops? stick out to you guys uh like oh maybe this guy shouldn't have been dropped or um like uh you know we mentioned the you know the reds uh bullpen um sims was dropped in 16 leagues garrett in 14 um greg holland also dropped in 18 leagues as stalmont looks like to be the guy but um anybody stand out to you guys here steven piscotti why are you dropping piscotti now uh, uh, I dropped him. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
Well, in um, some cases, it's just uh, you see something better, and if you can get them for cheap, then I can sort of see it. But um, I, I do think some of the guys that I mentioned, and Phil can look at the list and see what he thinks, but some of the guys I met, I listed here do still have value, and unless you're getting some kind of bargain on the guy you're adding, I, I think these are perfectly fine guys to have on your bench and uh, sort of wait for them to come around a bit. Who would you like the best out of the group that you listed in your article, Todd? I like Griffin Canning because I picked them up. Yeah, I think Canning is <laughs> is a guy that should should be uh, held. I think I think he's he's had a little rough patch, but his last outing was good, and you know I think he could turn it around. He's talented enough to do it, so I would certainly try to hold him where I could. Yeah, Lucas seems is probably a guy I would I would held on to. Um, I think he so. looked like. I, for for a week or two, he looked like he was going to be the closer, and then he just had a bad outing, um, just like everyone else in that bullpen. Um, right. But I think he can he can he's a guy I would have held on to. Um, in one of my leagues, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I already have him in a bunch of places. I'll be conservative with my bid. Uh, but someone dropped Logan Webb, um, and that's mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy I like to to bid on. But I already have him in too many leagues, so I'll probably. Be- <laughs> Uh, be more careful with my bid. Uh, but that, that situation with, um, with Logan Webb and Aaron Sanchez, um, with Johnny Cueto coming back, I think that's probably why that, that owner dropped Logan Webb with, with the starting course this weekend and Cueto coming back. But the way the quote from Gabe Kapler, who said that the earliest Cueto could come back is on May 9th. And that lines up with Aaron Sanchez start. So, I mm-hmm. don't know if that was just random, but for me and the way they've been limiting, limiting him to 60, 70, 75 pitches, I think. So um, I think Sanchez, the one who gets dropped from that, from that rotation, they, they move him to, and they, they also talk about his, his velo dropping um, in, in fourth inning and fifth inning. So um, I think Logan Webb is going to keep a shot, a, a, a spot in that, in the, in that rotation. And I, I, I held on to him in all my leagues and, um, I, I think he could he could have some good value for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, uh, we're talking about uh, players being dropped, and um, you know, I know Phil, you you have um, some something you want to bring up, right? About starting pitching depth, right? Um, There's something you want to talk about tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's been my philosophy this year. Um, and I'm hoping it works out. But I noticed in the past two years that for whatever reason, I've, I've talked about my strategy for, for DCs before, where I grab started, mm-hmm. I grab um, like one or two aces and I load up on on, on, the, on hitters for 20 rounds and just start grabbing pitchers after round 25, 20, 25, 30. Um, and for whatever reason, those teams end up having a better ERA and whip than most of my, my fab teams, um, which doesn't make sense. It's it, I'm starting five pitchers every week that I grabbed after around 20. Um, but so I don't know if it's just that my valuations were pretty good or I got lucky, but it doesn't make sense that those teams have better ERAs than, than my, my fab team. So um, what I, sort of decided to do this year. I just load up on starting pitcher depth. Um, on all my teams right now, I have 11 starters that I feel good about that I have in my top 
in my top 80 pitchers. And I've been, I, and some of those teams I'm struggling for saves, um, but I'm still hanging on to those starters because injuries are going to come. Um, and I'll use um, Wade Malley as an example that I have right now is out of all the pitches that, that have started one game this year, he's um, SP 96 in my rankings. Um, but if I just use uh, the ones that are uh, projected to start a game this week, so basically healthy pitchers, um, he's SP 83. Um, so there, there's, I guess, 13 guys in my top 96 that are hurt right now. And that number is probably going to creep up to 2025 uh, once we get into June and July. So what that means is that a guy like Wade Miley, a guy like Trevor Williams, Tyler Anderson, that no one wants right now because they'd be their eighth, ninth, or 10th best starting pitcher. Um, people are going to want those guys in June and July um, mm-hmm. as long as they stay healthy. Um, I've, I've, I've tried to hang on to, I mean, th- there's a bunch of guys I drafted, the Steven Matz, the Robbie Ray, the Logan Webbs, the Matt Shoemaker, uh, Dylan Cease, that I hope I'm right about. But there's, I mean, there's a good chance I'm wrong. I just don't know which ones I'll be right and wrong about. So um, I'm hanging on to all those guys for the first two months. Um, Luke Weaver is a guy that is tempting to drop because he hasn't been great. But I'm just hanging on to him, giving him another month or so. And I figure by early June, I'll know which guys are worth keeping, which ones are not. And then at that point, I'll, I'll look to make a move. But um I'm, I'm just trying to build that starting pitcher depth because there, there's a lot of pitchers that are going to get hurt. Um, and in June and July, everyone else is going to be looking at fab, trying to find a guy who can go five innings. And then mm-hmm. I'm hoping to have two, three of those guys on my bench that I can just play matchups and, 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 and plug in. So um, that's sort of my philosophy this year. Um, it's, it's hurting me in hitting because I can't stream hitters. Um, I can't really speculate on closers. Givens this week was the first time I speculated on the closer because um, I had a spot I, I, that I could use for that. So it's hurting me in other places, but I think in the, in the long term, it's going to pay off because um, I think we've, we're, all, are, we're already seeing, uh, seeing the, the, the injuries starting to, to increase, but I think in July, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be um, it's going to be really hard to find starting pitchers. So I'm trying to, to accumulate them right now um, as much as I can. I think I find that asking myself that the most when I'm like the determining how, how, how much worth is always trying to get one more game on a Monday to Thursday. How much is that dab upgrade over keeping, uh, you know, this pitcher per se, or, you know, any, any person, but specifically the pitching, like you're saying, because, I think you make a great point. Like uh, you see it now where it's just slowly starting to evaporate. So I can imagine when all these pitches are, are, are starting to get stretched out and in, more injuries might occur and or less um, uh, more um, load management per se might occur that you'd want these guys around on your team to help you make a difference instead of streaming Joey Lucchese's. Yeah. And it's one of the things when I looked at my, my main event team and my main event teams in 2019, um, I mean, I looked at the pitchers I drafted and I'm like, okay, that guy ended up having a pretty good season. What did I do? Oh, I dropped him in week three. 
why? Okay, well, he was my ninth best starting pitch, and I couldn't see myself using him in the short term. So I got an upgrade. I got a two-star pitcher for, for a week, or I got a hitter who was playing four games in Baltimore. Why am I doing that? This guy would have been really useful in June and July. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and even until that, until then, I mean, they've sometimes, I mean, Wade Miley's um, going to have some two-star weeks or he's going to have some, some good matchups against Pittsburgh where he's worth using. So um, it, it's not, you're not just keeping on revenge. You're just starting it maybe once every three or four weeks. Um, and it, at the same time, it allows you me to be more patient with um say a guy like Robbie Ray, who I didn't have to start in his first two weeks because I didn't know what he was going to do. So I leave my bench, put in one of those guys. And then uh, it's been, it's been working out so far and I hope it it pays off later in the year. Robbie Ray looks like a stud, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Stud. (laughs) His last game was, was, was eye opening to me because he pounded the zone with fastballs and everything else was working with him too. And, I was and he truly- said he he said he figured something out. Um, I think those he said the last two innings against Kansas City, which was his second start, he said he figured something out. And since then, in thirteen innings, he hasn't walked a batter. And I'd be curious to look back in the past five years. I don't think we can find a stretch of thirteen innings where he hasn't walked a batter. So, yeah, um, <laughs> hoping great, he really figures something out. <laughs> that's a great point. Wow. There's definitely not a point where we could probably catch that. You know, I mean, but he he, he was just uh, you know, and and even too, it was almost like his last start too, where they just kind of like uh, all, was almost on the verge of like uh, of taking him out, and then you know we kind of got those. The, the home run um, right in that last frame. But like I said, he, he, he really looked, uh, you know, was he throwing like a little bit over 96 too, right? He's take, he ticked up a little bit. Yeah, I think he, I think yeah. he might have even gotten up to 97, 98. He was like, it was his hardest pitch of, of his career, I think, that I heard on, on the broadcast. So um, he, he figures something out. Um, and I hope, I hope he keeps it going. Cause I've got him in, in a bunch of leagues. <laughs> right. Right. Like I said, because like he was just pumping the zone and then the break balls were just wiping people out. You know, um, I think that's, that's where you're getting the best, uh, not like, especially Robbie Ray, uh, but you know, you know, any pitchers when you could get some, uh, some whiffs in those secondaries, but still pound the zone with a fastball. That's hard to hit. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think it's promising going forward. Um, whatever we figured out, I think it's going to be pretty good with uh, matched up with the um, the Toronto offense uh, for sure. Um, all right, guys, got anything else you want to talk about today? Uh-huh. No, I, uh, I talked enough, so talked you out of words. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, fantastic. I think we uh, I think we have at home a good episode here. Um, Cool. Um, Todd, tell everyone where they could find your work and where they could find you on Twitter and what you're doing sure. these days. Sure. So I'm at Telestar7 on Twitter and I'm writing my article on the spstreamer.com, which is a free article. And I will point out, we didn't get to it today, but um, I do have the top 20 fantasy owners for the main event contest listed and also the top three in each individual main event league. So uh, people can look at that if they want to uh, uh, bring up the article. 
Um, but uh, I'm also uh, on the Discord at spstreamer.com. So if you join and it's $15 to join and just be on the Discord and there's a lot of really smart fantasy players and not just the writers, but the people there as well. So it's definitely worth it. Um, so uh, happy to answer any questions and uh, thanks Rob for organizing this tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for so, having me, Rob. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You can find me on, on Twitter at philduso27. And uh, it was great being on. The only thing, the only bad thing is I usually listen to you guys. Um, you're one of the podcasts to listen to in us since I don't <laughs> like listening to myself. I won't, I won't have this, uh, this week's podcast in my, uh, in my routine for the week. So um, I'll have to find another one to listen to. Uh, but you guys are doing great every week. So I was, I was really happy to, to come on this week and join you guys. Cool. And then we'll join you. Um, and then you could join us in week nine where you say that plateau actually hits. Um, but um, can you just do it? At least do me a favor and hit play. So at least I get like the download from you this week. <laughs> Even if you don't listen to it, you know, just let it go in the background and, you know, just walk away. I'll just listen to your intro and then, and then turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> no it's gonna hurt my analytics don't you understand the analytics show when people stop stop, stop listening i want to see i want to see full growth to the end of the show but uh cool thank you guys for joining me and uh we'll catch you guys next week see you later guys all righty folks that will conclude this episode of the poe hitter podcast once again thank you so much for listening hope you could take this podcast with some um, actionable advice going forward and some player evaluation and thought processes when you're going through fab and decisions that you're making in your leagues to help you win and to help you be better so uh, with that being said everyone you know smarten up and uh, don't be a bag of shit all right okay